Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Hey, that was my first. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Here, uh, welcome in. That was high. That, that was high energy, David. Bray. Hey, thank you very much. This is FRL episode five eighty two, and we got a, a dream team here, if I do say so myself. Uh, ben Askren and John Kozak calling in. So. Um, Really excited to talk a little RTC Cup with you guys. Yeah, John, this, you're going to you know, be there. You're going to be at the event. You live just down the road, right? Yeah, I'm about like 30, 45 minutes. So I'm, uh, I'm pumped to be able to go. It should, should be awesome. There will be no it, fans it, it, at the event, but if there were, what, what's, the, what's like the, the thing in Cincinnati? What do you got to do? <laughs> I looked this up yesterday. It's not pretty. It ain't pretty. Like the zoo. I was going to say, the, the Cincinnati Zoo. Yeah, that's where uh, we just took our girls, so. That's it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Cincinnati Zoo sounds great. Um, so, you know, everybody that's that's uh, live streaming from outside the venue can go check that out at some point in time. And uh, so, John, is this gonna be your first first event that you're covering with us? Oh, oh. yeah. Hey, John's covering the event. No one told me this. John's gonna be there. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Nice. Yeah, you, Ben. I don't know if you heard. I'm I'm actually your boss now. So damn it. Uh, really? Yeah. How'd you move that fast? Yeah. Son of a, yeah. Watch out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be great. We'll have John on the scene. Um, and it's going to be really exciting. And, uh, man, I think there's no better way to kick the show off than to point out, follow up on a story that we were covering yesterday, which is a potential Ed <laughs> Ruth Gabe Dean match. And Gabe Dean called out Ed Ruth. He said he wanted that match. And, uh, Ed responded, Except the problem was in his tweet, he, he says at Gabe Dean, thanks, bro. I guess you're, I, I guess you're taking a run at all us PSU boys, huh? The real question is, how much is it worth to Flow Wrestling? I got to work off my quarantine gut pending. That's great, all fine. I, I would be excited to see that match. Problem is at Gabe Dean, that is not Gabe Dean, uh, two time NCAA champion, Gabe <laughs> Dean, 
<laughs> this is a small oh, child. Ed, Gabe Dean. Ed, come on, man. Check <laughs> so, your links. This is Gabe Dean right here. If you're listening in your car, you're missing out. This is a, a kid, a nine-year-old kid. I've read every one of his tweets because I'm Wait, just- Wait, hold on. Is he really nine? I thought he'd be like 13 to be on Twitter. Well, he was nine. Age limit. He was nine when he started the Twitter account back in 2009. He's he's oh. really it's it's dormant. He hasn't uh, he hasn't picked it back up since then. So oh, he's twenty it. years old now. But uh, man, he's been kid... he's been training for the last eleven years, right? <laughs> he's ready. He better have been. He's this uh, <laughs> this account is electric. This kid, um, you know, he's, he's, he started it off in 09. Second tweet ever. Starving. Talked my mom into letting me have a Nutrigrain bar. Yes. So this kid, you know, he's he's got. Well, some, he uh, sounds like a wrestler, actually, because you know that's you know he'd be starving because he's trying to make weight. He gets the mom to give him a nutrient bar. The, the mom's a tough mom, you know. Most wrestling moms are like, Billy, you can't miss a meal. Here's extra spaghetti. I know you got to make weight, but just eat the spaghetti. And you know, Gabe Dean's mom's like, dude, you ain't getting shit. Like yeah. you're gonna be hungry, son. You're yeah. gonna make weight. Yeah. But despite that adversity, he talked her into the Nutrigrain bar at least one time. So I think the kid, I think the kid, uh, you know, he, he may have something for Gabe Dean um, or Ed Ruth. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think I think first before we see Gabe Dean, Ed Ruth, we see this Gabe Dean against regular G uh, Gabe Dean for the rights to this Twitter account. That's what I would like to see. That that um, is fine. He should he should go meet this kid, Gabe Dean should, and get the rights so he can have Gabe Dean as his Twitter handle. I think so. Um, all right. Definitely. So let's get into a little RTC Cup stuff. We I just had a, a, a promo hit the site. Gable Stevenson. This kid's getting better at better at, at promoting these upcoming matches. And uh, well, so the guy he's, he's got WWE plans, Bray. So he has to be an elite level promoter. And I think he actually I think he knows that. So I think he's like practicing. He's warming up. He's getting better. Because he has said multiple times now, many times. I think he even said, Piles brought up yesterday, he said that it's going to be hard for him not to go to WWE by the time he leaves college or something crazy like that. Right? Man. Yeah. He said, he, he, like, he, after, when that interview went up, Gable quoted, quote tweeted, and he said, like, will this be my last year on the wrestling mat? We'll find out soon. Um, Jeez. So, yeah. He, who knows what he's doing, but, uh, but he's getting better at, I mean, he's, he's getting good at it. I think we should watch this, this promo. It's pretty, Pretty yeah, nice. Do um, looks good and uh, got me fired up. So Tyler, whenever you got that ready, go ahead and, and kick that to the screen. There's one match I want to be at the RTC Cup. Nick Wazdowski, everyone knows he's the, my only foe in America right now. And he is the best competitor right now for USA. He's the number one heavyweight. But times have changed since the last time we wrestled and I'm, I'm ready for him. I mean, back in the day, I used to be scared to shoot because I didn't want to get tired. And like when I actually found out like that shooting is like so, so really good in a match, I just started doing it. And once I started doing it, it just flowed perfect. And I just looked like a lightweight, I think. Especially with, with Gwiz, I think it's going to be a factor too as he gets older and I'm getting more into my prime that they're going to see how, how good we actually are. But I'm only, I only want one match. I don't want to wrestle no one else, just him. There he gets to it again, picks an ankle. I love wrestling, but you guys know my end goal is to make the WWE and be a, be a superstar in that realm. Sometimes I go into a match and it's just straight like go, go, go. And sometimes like there is that, 
the entertainment factor in me, like, make people watch. You know, I got the persona on me and the, the charisma that brings people good, in good and bad ways. So people hate it, some people like it. And I, I like that too. I like people having the doubtful fact on me, saying like, oh, we can't do this, just because the attitude is the wrong way on the map. But with being in the limelight comes a lot of friends, a lot of, a lot of fake friends, a lot of problems I can come with. And over the years, I've seen it too. At the end of the day, it's all entertainment. Like people, people pay to watch us be entertainers. And so if you don't want to watch us be entertainers, just don't pay, that's all. He's already got two wins on me. There's no show. This is, this is like, I have to win. Right now with what I've been doing over the past year, now you guys saw in the Big Ten season too, like what I've did too, never stop wrestling. I mean, there are some spots that I tried bad moves, like he took me down with in the first match and I tried to come over the top and I gave up two points and I think I could have defended it. Back then it was kind of, I was kind of shallow, still young and I think a year and a half now progression, really, really taking myself seriously, I don't think he's gonna know I hit him. Gwiz is the number one, the, the two-time NCAA champ, the, the man in USA for heavyweight, and this is the guy I need to beat to make the Olympic spot. I mean, his time is coming to an end soon. Man, he's got me, he's got me fired up for the match. What did you guys think of the promo? Yeah, it was, it was outstanding. He talked about WWE again. I brought it up. He brought it up. Man, yeah. seems imminent, huh? It Sad. does. I mean, yeah. A year ago, or even this summer, he would he would talk about WWE and MMA and the NFL and playing for the Minnesota football team. But he seems like he's kind of starting to maybe narrow his focus a little bit. That that's that's the next move. And I I got to imagine they want him, wouldn't you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. I well, I know for a fact that that's the case. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. You wonder you wonder what the timeline is there too, because I mean, what is he twenty twenty one? And so you got to imagine he could stick around for a couple cycles, oh, yeah. you know, to make it make two, three Olympic runs. But and then know. you should have, and then go to the WWE is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be as a wrestling fan, they, that would be what you would hope that, for. That would be ideal. They do have quite a bit of longevity in the WWE, much past what wrestling. I mean, Jordan Burroughs is an old man now in wrestling, and he's just over thirty. You don't see a lot of wrestlers stick around that long. I mean, think about the rest of our national team. Um, we have an older national team and they're in their late twenties. We're talking Dake, Taylor, Wisdowski. I don't even think Jane's in his late twenties yet. I think he's mid, maybe I think he's like 24, 25. He's 25. Yeah. 25 is a mid, right? So you, sh you don't see a lot of wrestlers get to age 30, but obviously in WWE, it's, it's, a um, not quite as competitive It's about, it takes time to build that star power. And then once you get that star power, it's all about, you know, maintaining it and staying. And you see someone like, I think Undertaker just retired and he had to be easily. I mean, I was watching Undertaker when I was a little kid, right? You guys were too, probably. So he had to be yeah. in his fifties somewhere for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Gable. You can, you can wait, you can put that off. You, the better yeah. you do in wrestling, the more, you know, that'll be a launch pad for your career. Right. So get a couple Absolutely. Olympic gold medals or something. That'd be, that'd be just fine with me. Um, um, Hey, let me ask you this. Is yeah. this the number one match you're most excited for? I got a couple others that are close. Uh, I don't know if this is number one for me. It might be number one for me. Is it number one for you guys? It is for me. Yeah. It's, really? it's the, it's the one. Yeah. Those two, I mean, those two criteria matches, it was like, 
okay, Gable's close. He's right there, but Gwiz just a little bit savvier. He's, you know, he's going to take advantage of little positions and, and he has enough to win. And um, Gable, when he wrestled Hilger, he did look bigger to me. He looked stronger. Uh, and yeah. he's just, he's so focused on this, on this match. He's been talking about it. When he was on the Bader show a couple months ago, he said, he said something like, I know when, when Gwiz goes to bed at night, he's, he's thinking about me. He's wor worrying about how he's going to beat me and stuff, I mean, stuff like that. He's just fixated on it. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I really want to see it. Yeah. Those matches were so close too at, at final X to where one of the things I noticed when I, I rewatched him was Gwiz did not attack often, like if at all, mm -hmm. um, he yeah. took like two or three really committed shots a match. Um, and then when Gable, when Gable scored, it was off of Gwiz's attacks. He was able to get that reattack yeah. in. So yeah. I think it is I know, my, yeah. Yeah, I know when I was helping out with Trent Hilger at, at Wisconsin, um, Gable's reattacks are, they're as good as it gets. I mean, we're not not just for a heavyweight, right? Just all around. His reattacks are freaking outstanding. He's got a great down block go behind. He's got a great down block reshot. You can't take errant shot. If you take an errant shot on Gable, you're going to get taken down. That's just plain and simple. So, you know, I, th I think when you said that, Gwiz is obviously smart enough to understand that. And even despite the fact that, you you know, as you said, he still got scored on a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I really, I really need to see that match. But Ben, you said there's some other ones that, that you might be equally as excited about. What are some of the other um, ones? Well, the the other two are both at the same weight class, and I know I some people are probably get mad for saying this, but number one would be Gr Green and Yanni, um, because it's a match we're, we're not going to see in regular freestyle weight classes. Yeah, uh, you know, Green is not going to make sixty five, and then also Yanni Etchemendia, just so we have a really good picture where Etchemendia stacks stacks up on the NCAA level. Obviously, I'm against Evan Henderson, but you know, and Yanni is a two time NCAA champion. Etchemendia will be competing in his first college season this year. So it'd be really interesting to see where he stacks up uh, on that level. So those two matches, and I guess maybe some of Yanni Homer also, uh, I'm really excited to see those two. Yeah, I, I am too, especially, well, I don't know. I don't know which one I like better out of those two matches, but Yanni and Etchemendia is it's super interesting to me because I just feel like Evan Henderson is a little bit more physically imposing and, and Yanni, I don't think will have that same advantage. I also think mm -hmm. that another reason Henderson looks so good against Etchemendia was that, was that Mike Gray is like a master game planner. And he had, he had Henderson really locked in for that match. So he probably will with Yanni as well, but, yeah. but Yanni has a different skill set, and, and they're going to get into exchanges that yeah, I think are going to give uh, Etchemendia a chance to, show off his power in different ways and like how Yanni deals with that is, is going to be a big question. Yeah. yeah I'm interested in looking at um, the matchup between green and um, Pantaleo as well. Cause you think down the road that could be, you know, 70 kilogram in you know, a world team, you know, final X spot. So that's, that's kind of the other one that I'm, I'm looking at as well. Yeah, that, you, that, that, that definitely could be. It's interesting think, because sorry, sorry, Dave. No, go ahead, go ahead. It's interesting because that would be the only weight class in here where, and all of them have a three kilogram allowance, right? Yep. But you're you're seeing guys from that weight class above come down, um, and I don't like. I don't think we have any sixty ones at fifty seven, for example, right? I guess maybe Nishan's kind of a 61, but the rest of the guys are going to wrestle 57. Nishan has wrestled 57. Um, and so 65 is the only place you see that. 
Yeah. And I mean, the three kilo allowance is, is going to be, that's a big deal. Um, but you know, when we see it, we'll see it on day one. If we see Yanni and green, just that, yeah. that three kilos is going to be big for, you know, green, especially on day two. Cause I, I think they're just weighing in the first day. And if that's the case, then, you know, by day two, and even if they're weighing in both days, like being able to gain the weight and not have to get back off the next day, like the, yes. by the end of day oh, two, yeah. green's going to be huge. So seeing that match on day one, we'll see it at 4 PM Eastern time. Uh, that, I mean, that's, that's going to make that, that Yanni green match really, I think even, even more intriguing. Cause we're not going to see a, a 74 kilo James green. We'll see one. It's, you know, a little bit closer. Yeah. I know Gable said, said it in uh, that promo that he only wants, He's only there for one match. Do you think they're only going to wrestle him the one match, or do you think we'll see him against, like, like Paris um, as well, or or Kuhn if they send him out there? That, that would be classic if he did really, really only wrestle one match. Um, and, and while Nelson is good, I don't think Nelson's probably the favorite against those Michigan guys. So I think it's probably in Minnesota's best interest to use Gable, at least in that match. I could see Nelson beating – Hamida and Desi and a few of those other guys, but um, I feel like they'll probably need Gable for some of the matches. Yeah, I hope they. Man, I really hope they they use that one. I that's that's what where I'm what I'm really curious to know is like where is Mason Paris right now freestyle wise? We haven't seen him in freestyle against Gable. We've seen how that goes in folk style. It's been it's been Gable. Yes. Um, and freestyle probably even gives Gable a little bit greater advantage, but I, I just I, I think Mason Paris is really close to Gwizdowski style wise, and I think he's I think he's get, probably getting closer to Gable, but I, I don't know. So I really hope we see that. If we do, it would be um, six Eastern um, on Friday. The Cliff Keen and Go, Glo, uh, Gopher clubs hit. So I don't know how, how close do you think Mason Paris is to these other two guys, Ben? Oh, that is, that's hard to say. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's not all that close yet to Gable. Um, Gable obviously um, beat him at the big tens last year. It wasn't, it it wasn't a blowout, but it wasn't competitive either. Um, That being said, Gable, obviously, um, if you look at his freestyle results, they're definitely superior to his folk style results. So, you know, I see it maybe as a three or four takedown affair. I mean, the one, the one thing that John brought up earlier, with Gwizdowski that does not apply to Mason Paris is Mason's not as calculated with his leg attacks, right? He just isn't, he, he fires off he's higher volume, which, which is benefit to him in a lot of matches, but we're talking about the best, uh, best reattack guy in the game at heavyweight is, is definitely Gable. So it could definitely work against him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. How do you think a match with Mason Paris and Gwizdowski would go? I'm interested to see that. Uh, I got to think, like John kind of brought up, that Gwizdowski is uh, great at strategy. He's great at understanding what's going on. I feel like he's just going to have all the answers for Mason. Uh, that's kind of how I feel. I feel like he's going to be smart enough to do that, but I, I guess you never know. So I, I would lean Gwizdowski also. I think the pecking order is, you know, Gable Gwiz, we'll find out this weekend, and then, you know, everyone else is kind of a rung below them at this point. Yeah. I really hope we see that Gwizdowski Mason Paris match. I man, I don't know. I always bring up this match around the office and everybody makes fun of me because because uh Mason Paris beat 
Amir Zare and I, like that. And, and Zare has like just this crazy resume. He beat Petriashvili. Yeah. He has a win over Gwizdowski. He's, he's incredible. And I, and um, the reason he that killed, no, he didn't beat him. He killed him, right? He killed him. He, so, I mean, the match was really short because he pinned him, but yeah. basically Zare dug that underhook and was working to take Mason out. Mason got a step out. He was able to reverse the position and get a step out on the edge. And then, and then Zari was able to take him out the second time. So it was one, one. And then he, and then from that underhook, he dumped him and pinned him. Um, but the, that even him being able to avoid giving up that first step out tells me a lot because that's, I mean, Zari makes like so much of his money there. He did that to Gwizdowski the whole match when Zari and Gwizdowski wrestled. Zari just like was basically walking him off the mat and Gwiz would have to kind of drop to a knee so that he was avoid avoid giving up more cautions and and Zari would yeah. get around behind tech him and Zari was able to do sim something similar to Bilal Makov who's like the biggest heavyweight on earth and so I, I just that tells me something about Mason's power and his ability to kind of endure the you know a really a brutal hand fight and I just wonder if if he can use that power as an advantage against against Gwizdowski but yeah if he's taking shots that are that are problematic. Gwiz is a good, you know, he's got good counter offense as well. So um, that, that could be to, to his detriment, but just seeing him endure that hand fight is, I don't know. I just feel like he's, he's right there. And, and he, I, I don't know if I'd pick him against Gwizdowski, but I think he's closer to Gwiz than he is to Gable in terms of style. Yeah. Uh, John, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I like comparing, you know, the, the like opponents, right? Where you have Mason pins, Zare and Zare techs, uh, Gwiz. But I think that's like purely like style, right? It plays right yeah. into Paris's style where he's digging the underhook and he works right into the dump. Whereas um, Gwiz just didn't have, he didn't have any answers, uh, which was really kind of really surprising to see. I don't know if you've ever seen Gwiz like kind of manhandled like that yeah. before. It's um, rare. Yeah. So I think with Paris, I think it's, it's the unknown of where you haven't seen him in freestyle against some of the, the top, whatever, three guys to where I hope, mm -hmm. I hope we get to see some of that answered this weekend. But I think he's going to, I think he's going to catch up quick if he's behind. And I think having the matchups with Gable and with, um, with Gwiz, I think really helps a guy like, like Mason, just because he's so young and the experience um, will really help him. But I, I still think, I think it'll be maybe a two takedown match where well, Gwiz will be up by whatever four or five, um, kind of a controlling, controlling win. I just think he's got too much for Paris right now. Yeah. There's right. something about that. Uh, I mean, uh, I I know it happened. I I know Par uh, Paris pins are, and I know Zari teched Gwiz, which Gwiz almost never gets killed like that. It's very very rare. Um, I can't really think of another time. I'm sure there's another time with uh, Petrus Vili or something. Um, but it's almost like I just kind of throw them out until I see it happen. And I, and I do feel, and I already said it, I feel like Gwiz is the favorite, despite that evidence probably to the contrary. Yeah, that's, I don't know. You guys are talking to me uh, maybe a little bit out of being so so bullish on on Paris. And par partly too, the way that Zare got the tech was the same position and so if Gwiz would have, you know, had 15 minutes to work on a little technical adjustment, maybe he's able to solve that one problem the next time. And then, and then now all of a sudden it's a very different match. So, um, you know, yeah, that's, 
All right, maybe it's maybe maybe I should uh, maybe I should uh, slow down a little bit on Paris, but I still I just I need to see that match. I think this is I mean this is basically Olympic trials implications. This is uh, you know huge question. So I really I can't wait to see it. Uh, all right, yeah. I want to I want to get into the rules a little bit to make sure that people who are watching these duels know what they're watching, right? Because um people are used to folk style dual meets and they and they don't know the rules so it's it's uh you know it's nerdy stuff but hey nerdy stuff is what's going to end up making these teams the money so um we we talked about this a little bit with johnny ruggiano last thursday we we didn't go through everything but we we did talk a little bit like you know the the first sentence you have where uh it only goes to team points if it's uh if it's tied you know we, we talked about that quite a bit but maybe i don't think everyone understands what the team points are so maybe we could uh get into that yeah, so we'll get into that. Um, yeah, it goes to team points. That's like first criteria if the matches are tied. And so the winning wrestler can either score five, four, or three points for his team, and the losing wrestler can either score one point or zero points for his team. Um, so if you if if you you can score five points if you get a pin, um, if it's an injury default, if it's a forfeit, if you're disqualified because of three cautions, uh, it, you know any of that or being disqualified for any reason, that's, that's five points for the winner, zero for the loser. So, um, pins are huge. I mean, if you think about so huge and and especially a pin that was like, uh, a a come from behind. I mean, you think about like the Taylor Lujan, Gabe Dean match. If something like that happens in one of these duels that, that could swing the whole thing, right? That's like a nine, a nine point swing when we get to the other ones. So, um, pins, injury defaults, forfeits, all that stuff is huge. So, that's what you got to know first and foremost. And then you get four for a tech. If the other guy scores even one point in the match, then he gets one for his team. So techs are going to be either four, four, zero or four, one. Uh, and then, and then any other decision, it's three points for the winner. And same as a tech, if they score, then if the other guy scores and they get one, but if they don't score, they don't get any. So, um, you know, that's scoring one point. If you're losing is really critical as well but it's going to be interesting to see what kind of you know what kind of swings come about because of the team points uh so yeah it, it's you know important to know that i think we'll probably be trying to at least on social media and, and i'm sure on the call as well make sure that people know not only you know head-to-head matches but also what the what the team score is but that's going to be it's going to be important to kind of uh, to know yeah. and yeah. i always I was thinking freestyle because it, it very, very, very rarely matters the classification points. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember all the way back to the days when they had the the brackets where it was just a bunch of names and they they told you who you wrestled. Yeah, do you remember this? Yes, you do. That's okay. what my Fargo bracket was like. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. And then if you got all the way to the end, and so four people, the top four make it out of your pool and they wrestle the top four from the other pool. But say four and five get knocked out in the same round, it goes down to classification points. So the fact that maybe you scored in the match you lost matters. And then if you get, so then what happened was they put the final three in the pool in the round robin. You remember this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so yes. then if it went if it went one, 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 it was classification points within the pool. If that was high, it went classification points in the whole bracket. Um, so, you know, they used to be more relevant and I, I think people had a better understanding of them, but now I don't think they ever use them, do they? I mean, besides this tournament, when do they ever use classification points? I mean, the the last time I've seen it was was uh, World Cups. You know, that's yeah, this kind of that's it. This kind of event. That's it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, man. 
I remember, I remember one time I misread the, it was easy to like misread the bracket if you weren't paying attention the right way. I remember at Fargo, I was like, not that good. And uh, I misread the bracket and I thought I had somebody really, really good. I can't, maybe like CP Slater, one of those like nationally ranked guys. And Wait, so how old I, are you, Brad? I thought you were younger than me. Uh, I, I graduated from high school in 2003. Okay. You're only one year younger than me. I, I thought you were like, I thought you were like right around 30 and I'm, I'm an old man here. I'm 36. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm around, I'm around 30, uh, but you know, <laughs> I'm also 36 actually, but okay, cool. But I, but I, I, I misread the bracket and I was like, oh no, I got, I got CP Schlater. I think it might've been somebody else, but I, but it that turned out. That would've been a bad draw, right? Yeah, bad draw. Yeah. So my mat number was like, the, it was on the stage at Fargo. So it was like, oh man, I'm going to get like murdered on the stage, but I read it wrong and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't CP Schlater. It was some like. It was some, you know, kid that was even worse than me. And I remember seeing this guy warm up and he's coming to the mat and I, I'm like, what? And I all of a sudden got this like surge of energy because I was like, this guy's not very good. And uh, so I, I got a win on the stage. It was, it was, it was great. But, nice. um, but yeah, the, the, the classification points, uh, you're right. They don't, they don't come into play too much anymore. Do you remember how hard that used to be? You'd have to go to the freaking wall chart. You'd have to find your bout number. Um, Right. And then yes. you're, you know, you had to literally, like, there, there was no like clocks or computers. You had to wander over. And if they didn't have your bout number, you read it wrong. You had to go all the way back to the brackets, reread it. You know, it was like, oh my goodness. That was, and then, uh, yeah. And then they, they drew a lot of times they would draw a dot next to your name if you had to wear the red singlet. Yep. yep. Dot was red singlet. No dot was blue. Yeah. That was, uh, and then, you know, I, <laughs> this takes me so far back. And then you'd have to like, you, you'd be trying to figure out who they were going to pair up with who next round based on who they had already previously wrestled, especially, you know, you start at like say 50 people on your pool and now you're down to like six and you're wondering who they're going to pair up with who, yeah. man, that was interesting times, huh? Well, yeah. And then, and then, yeah. If the, and then like, sometimes the bracket was one round Robin. And then if it was big enough, they would split it into two and it was, yeah, it was bizarre. That was bizarre stuff. Bizarre. Um, but yeah, so if, <laughs> but if, if any of these pools goes, like one, 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 if everybody takes a win and a loss, then the, the pool will also be decided by classification points. So it, it's, and that's definitely possible. I mean, as you guys were previewing definitely these duels, possible. yeah, yesterday, you, there's a lot of three, three, four, two matches that like, if one thing swings all of a sudden it's, you know, it's, it's yes. down to, down to classification points. So, um, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, John, did you, did you wrestle into that old, uh, that old, that old vertical pairing system or whatever? Um, a, a little bit, but I, uh, like I'm, I'm, I just turned 31. So I'm a little bit younger than you guys. So Jeez, not, baby. not too much. Yeah. Not too much, but I, and I never went to Fargo or anything like that. So I didn't have to deal with, okay. deal with when that. did they do away with vertical pairing? I don't know. Hmm. They, you know, I, I know. hate random draw in the UWW brackets, but remember what was even a worse bracketing system. And they never did this domestically. It was only internationally when they just randomly drew pools. Oh, that yeah. was incredibly yes. dumb, incredibly dumb. And then the, the eight winners of the eight pools got to move on to the bracket, but it was random draw. You could have literally the three best people in a pool and only one of them's going to make it out. It's, I mean, like yeah. what on God's green earth were they thinking? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Dang. So if, yeah, so if the, but if the technical points are the same or the, the uh, classification points are the same, then it goes to like most falls, most techs. Um, and then, and then they count up the match points. 
then they uh, then they look at if those are still tied. They look at which team gave up the fewest match points, and then if all For that's real? tied, yeah, 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 yeah. And then if all that's tied, the last criteria is is who won the heavyweight, who won the last match, who won the heavyweight match. So it's For real? Uh, yeah. So that's how that's how it goes. Hopefully, hopefully is that a real rule, or did you guys just just write that? Did you guys really? No, that's write that's that? UWW. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And and. We checked with Johnny, and it, they're starting every duel at 57 kilos. So it like you know those heavyweight matches. If it's a two-three match, mm, no. it's you know the heavyweight match could end up deciding it. So um, interesting to know, and uh, yeah. So as people are following along, that's important to to kind of make sure that people are paying attention to that stuff. Um, yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys about something. I I've oh. been really curious about this about these mercenaries about these teams picking up somebody to, to either fill in for somebody who's missing or just to like make their lineup stronger. And I, I've been asking myself a lot, like who is the most valuable mercenary that any of these teams has picked up? Who's got the highest chance of swinging a duel or, um, you know, or making these teams money. I mean, it could, it could turn yeah. out that like one of these guys ends up being the reason that a team wins in the semis and wins in the finals and takes home $50,000. So what do you guys think about well, that? I I already know my pick. It's, I think my pick's relatively easy. Um, and I like that you called it Mercenaries Break because that, that's exactly what it is. And you know, I, I had some pushback. I thought, listen, you got your squad. You got your college guys to pick from. You bring them to the party. You guy ain't that good. Your guy ain't that good. Tough, tough crap. Um, but if you're going to ask me who the most valuable mercenary is, I think it's Nashawn Garrett because – Prior, we were not thinking that the NJRTC slash Southeast was going to make it that far. And now I, I believe we, I believe I picked them to make it to the finals yesterday. And I think Piles might have picked them to win. So, you know, just that uh, a weight where they weren't going to win very much to a weight where I think they're probably favored in every single match, maybe except against Seth Gross. Um, that was a real, that was a really big swing for the Southeast RTC. Yeah, I he he might be my pick as well. Um, and I, I'm so inter- I'm so curious about how how that kind of that move came to happen. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have talked with Nishan, but he basically he's he's not living in Blacksburg. He is he's a coach in Tennessee. He's like lives two hours away, and he like if not for this RTC Cup, I don't think the Southeast RTC would have reached out to really? pick him up. Yeah. But now they, but they didn't. But they didn't need to. They don't need to sign him to the club to make him in, uh, on the club cup. That's true. But I think they're just like, whoa, this guy's two hours away. He can come train. I don't know if it's going to be. He he said it's going to be kind of part time. So I don't know if that means a couple days a week or whatever. But yeah. it's like uh-huh. it's like now we got you know we can have Nation Garrett come in here and they're already really trying to build up that lightweight room. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah I agree. I think it's a great pickup because of the long term, but also he does, he does have a big impact on the, on the event. Uh, but I can't get over the fact that like nation Garrett and Cody Brewer could be just like throwing each other every all day. that room every day. Every Those day. Those guys have hey, had so, like some of the craziest matches Ray, What high school is he coaching at? Is he a teacher also? Or like, what is his job? It's a club. high school wrestling coach is not a, Oh, it's, he's a club coach. Yes. Oh, yep. which club? I don't know the name of it. He didn't say the name of it. I'll have to ask him. But uh, it, okay. he, he basically said that like somebody was running a club and was leaving or moving away or whatever. And they, you know, mm-hmm. the other people involved with the club wanted to bring somebody in who was high level. And, and Nation 
didn't have the success at 57 kilos last year that he wanted. And yeah. after the Olympics got pushed back, I think he was kind of like considering being done or whatever. didn't know for sure if he wanted to stick around and train. Yeah. And so when this came open, he was like, okay, cool. Um, and so he just happens to be a couple hours away from Blacksburg. And now, now they, you know, they have this guy in the room that's going to, I think, make a big difference. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I also, I'm also kind of, wondering what kind of an impact Evan Witt could make for, for the Gophers. He, he's somebody that, that will be in every match. Um, yeah. especially now that Dake's gone, he, he's, he'd be, he's a guy that I wouldn't be real surprised to see have kind of a breakout performance and Gophers in a lot of duels where I think people are expecting them to win two and, and lose four and people are expecting yeah. Wick to, to lose some of those matches. And so he's, he's somebody that could turn out to be, a really, really big pickup, I mm. think, for for the Gophers. That's a good point. That's a good point because I picked him to win, but uh, they they called me a homer for doing that. So, um, <laughs> but you do have a good point. I mean, if he upsets Massa and if he beats Karchula, I mean, you could potentially see Minnesota being first in that pool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. What do you think, John? I think the other. Um, well, I was going to say Nishan, um, but since Ben already said that, but I think I think Dudley is. Is kind of underrated. Um, yes. In some of the wins, some of the wins that he has, and even to look at, you know, uh, Cliff Keen's roster where they didn't really have a 97, where as Dudley, he's got wins. He had, does have a win over Colin Moore, and he's got a win over Waltz, um, and two over yes. Boykin. And so I think he could not necessarily, he's not the high, highest profile guy, but as far as like filling in a gap, and he could, he could be a dark horse or kind of a wild card um to to make some make some noise and, and an impact for cliff Keen for sure yeah that that's a great call i did not realize he had had some success i didn't realize there was that ty walls win um until you posted yesterday uh you know i was going to i think that i think we had that as the final bout i believe and you know before i went and looked at your chart i was going to pick ty walls because i just i felt like that was um evident that that was going to be the case and then I, I looked at it, then I went and watched the match. It was like, wow, I did not realize Timmy Deadly had been in this much success. So, yeah, that's a good call on him. And 97 kilos is is a weight where, you know, those guys are so close. They're so close to each other. I think, you know, probably Colin Moore and Mike Mock are the are the, the two favorites. But, like, yeah, although I mean, there's going to be a lot of matches that are really close. And, uh, um, you know, Dudley can, can make a big difference there. But, yeah, it's weird. I don't know why he seems so – I don't know how he's been so under the radar. When I thought about him, I was like, oh, he's an 86 kilo guy, right? Like he, he hasn't been wrestling up, but he's, I mean, 2019 and 2020, he's been up. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so so he's he's good. And yeah, I'm also, I don't know. I, I wonder, um, I wonder about Don Bradley. I think he could have ended up helping Spartan Combat if they mm-hmm. hadn't had other hits to their roster. But but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. 57 is four, four out of the six teams picked up, picked up mercenaries, right? So 57 kilos. What the heck? Why can't crazy. anyone have a good 57 on their team? <laughs> I don't know. I, well, and, I mean, and part of, I, part of what I don't like about the mercenary thing, Bray, is they all would, not all, most of them, like, like, um, Virginia Tech, they could have brought Sam Latona. He's solid. Yeah. He's not going to beat some of these other guys, but he's good. Uh, Michigan could have had Dylan Ragason, who's had an outstanding fall. Um, and so you could have other guys here. 
that are maybe not as good as these mercenaries, but man, that's who you got. Bring them to the party. That's who your squad is. Yeah. One name we haven't said that that maybe we should is Seth Gross, right? Because he he could end up yeah. being the best fifty-seven yeah. kilo in in the whole in the whole group. Um, yeah. And that was a situation where Cliff Keen had Stevan Micic, but like he, I think is yeah. is going to travel over to Serbia already because of the individual uh, World Cup UWW's having, and Serbia really wants. I mean, it's in Serbia. They really want him part of that, and so I think he was. They were nervous that like if he competed you know there'd be risk of him catching covid and not being able to compete uh, uh you know, at uww so yeah. seth gross is a huge pickup he could he could make so a the, big difference the reason i didn't pick seth was because because obviously he could definitely be it's you know for me it's him or nashawn best 57 but they already have a really great team w without a 57 and and they did have michik right so you were, you were looking at their squad and you were thinking okay they're gonna have stevan michik and really, I could see Seth Gross beating Stefan Michik, but Stefan Michik probably has better international results also. So um, you don't look at that as a huge step up, whereas, you know, Nishan, who they had previously there, I looked at it as a huge step up. And that's kind of how, how I viewed that. Uh, but obviously, Seth could end up being the best 57 in the field, for sure. Yeah, he he could. I mean, I, I was really interesting to hear you guys talk about the the possible Seth gross Nishan garrett match yesterday. Like, I just... I, I, I feel like we don't know a ton about where Nashon is. He did say that like two months ago, he, he just kind of had this, had this feeling that like he, he might need to get, start getting ready and to compete. So I think he's been training hard, um, with, with a, you know, an eye on possibly competing for a couple months, but you know, and if he's, if he's where he was in 2018, then I, I would, I would lean that way. I think. Another match from 2018 with Seth Gross was was Joe Colon, and we got to see that one. It beat the streets, and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah. what we saw then was still, still, you know, held up. And Joe was in a similar position to Nation, I think, where he wasn't training a ton this summer. He was trying yeah. to decide if he was going to continue, and then got the call, took the match, got himself ready, and, and he was ready to go. So I kind of think Nation is is similar, um, and and so I I don't know I. Yeah, Nation may end up being the the best fifty seven in the whole in the whole group, but I I really want to see that match. I hope we see it in the finals. Yeah, and and Nation is he up at sixty or sixty one? That's where he's really kind of made his money. Um, and I know Bracky made a big deal about the like the the voter fraud thing, but one of the things that you <laughs> yeah, missed, one of the things Bracky? that was one of the things that missed you missed in there is he kind of clued in on he was thinking about going sixty five for uh, yes. the Olympic Olympic trials. I don't that know was shocking that. to me. That was really shocking yeah, right? to me. Yeah, he, well, yeah. hey, Fox News broke that story. I think he said, <laughs> I think he said that like in his little, like, he was on like Fox News and there, there was a little clip of it going around or whatever. And they asked him like, what's his weight class? What's your, what's your weight class for the Olympics? They're just kind of talking about him like he's the Olympian or something. But, um, but they were like, what's your weight class? He was like, ah, I don't know, 65 kilos. Um, and then, yes, he, we, we talked about that. And he said, yeah, he said that 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 might be the the move. I I would be super curious to see him against a number of our best sixty five kilo guys, and I I don't know that he's powerful enough to to hang with like the top top guys. But let's get him let's get this guy some more matches with with some of these sixty five kilo guys. That's what I think. Yeah, I feel I feel like this Sean would be grossly undersized at, at sixty five. I I have a hard time seeing that going really well for him. Yeah, you're probably right, but I would love to find out. I would love to find out. Sure. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, 
So another another big question I, I think is, you know, who are the biggest kind of wild cards or dark horses? And maybe we look at weight class by weight class and pick one yeah. guy who could who could make a big difference. And one of the things I'm thinking about, especially is falls, right? Knowing how important those are in the rules and the criteria. Um, yeah, who who do you guys think? Fifty seven kilos. The possible guys are, are Seth Gross, Vito, Nation. Ragason, Mueller, Cruz, Russell, Sanders, Camacho. Any of those guys jump off the page well, as a as well, a wild card? You can't pick those guys as uh I mean, there's certain guys you can't pick as a dark horse. You can't pick Seth Gross as a dark yeah, horse, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um uh so you know, I was really like I was really excited to see how Dylan Ragason was gonna do against this crowd, but now I I don't assume we're gonna see him do that many matches. Um he obviously won the U twenties. He um took second, only losing to Vito. Um, so I was interested, but I don't think we're gonna see him take very many matches. So I guess I would say I'm curious to see how Vito is gonna do against specifically uh Gross and Nishan. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. And and I think in terms of a a guy who you know who could make a big impact as a wild card, I think about Jack Mueller. Um he's he's a lot of times like one chess wrap away from from winning a match and, and that's, you know, a position where he's pretty good. And he's a guy that I could see, uh, you know, being in, being in a close match with mm-hmm. almost anybody here. And then all of a sudden he, you know, gets to a chest wrap or, or gets to a head pinch and, and, yeah. um, you know, gets a four pointer to win a match late or something like that. He's a guy that I think could, could be someone that people aren't necessarily expecting to have a big impact, but, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he does. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had thought of, um, even Darian Cruz as kind of a, a wild card, just because I think his results are on both both ends of the spectrum, you know, to where he looked really good in the first period against Thomas Gilman, whatever, a month ago. Yep. Um, and and he, he kind of, for me at least, opened my eyes to, man, if, if he can do this for six minutes, who can, who can he be? And so he does have wins over um, Jack Mueller and Zach Sanders um, in the past. So you think, oh, could he could he take out a guy like Vito um, and you know swing swing a duel or get a duel started where you didn't think he was going to get a win? Because um, I think he's on that on that level. It's just putting it together for six minutes, you know. Yeah, he he even I think in 2017 had a win over Nation and Nation got him back at the Bill Farrell last year. Um, but yeah, he's he's somebody who uh, when he's when he is like positionally like when he doesn't get out of position and he can, he can use one attack. He can, he's in almost every match. You know, you think about the yes. NCAAs that he won. It was, it was like that, right. Where he, with Gilman, yep. he was just like, he was, he, he can beat anybody. Yeah. You're, it's a good call. Um, yeah. Good call. What about 65? Any, anybody stand out wild cards there? Oh yeah. Well, everyone, everyone wants to see how Etchmendia does obviously. And then the second thing I think people are very curious about is, how well does James Green compete down here, right? Because obviously his normal weight class is 70. This is 68. Um, you know, I think everyone probably thinks he's going to go undefeated and he's going to be the number one guy at this weight class. But um, I'm very curious to see how he does because it is, you know, we can say two kilograms. That's still five pounds. That's still a lot of weight. Uh, and that'll also give us a good indication of how effective he's going to be on December 18th at the 150-pound bracket. That's what I really want to know is, is like, what can we expect from James, you know, a couple of weeks from now when he's down at 150 down here in, in Austin, yes. I, oh man. Yeah. 
I, I hope he looks as good as, as we all think. Um, I, I feel like he, man, t- to me, he might be a little too good to think about as, as a wild card, but Etchemendia, especially after having taken the loss, I feel like he's lost a little bit of the, the, the shine and he could, he could have like a crazy weekend and, and, uh, you know, yeah, he could, he could open a lot of eyes. Another, I mean, I feel like 65, that's what, hold on. Let me, yeah. let me, let me push back. I, I feel like a lot of people think that he has lost his shine. Uh, Etchemendia. He, he lost Evan Henderson. Evan Henderson's really good. Why, why did the, the notion that people thought Etchemendia was just going to be this destroyer and come in and make an Olympic team or be the number one guy in America. That was, that was ridiculous. Like he's yeah. younger. We don't know exactly how young, uh, but he is, he's younger for sure. And, and he's going to take some L's to some of the better guys in America. I mean, Evan Harrison's definitely a top five guy. Um, so, uh, you know, for me, I don't feel like that really changed my perspective of uh, Etchemendia all that much because I think he's really good. I think he could be competitive with our best guys, but he's not the best guy yet. Um, so I just think people maybe would think a little too highly, and I still think he's really good, and I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel, then, and yeah, to your – well, I was just going to say, to Ben's point there, Henderson is a guy who's competed a ton too, right? Both domestically and internationally. And you look at where Echemendia is at, how, how many live matches has he had in the last yeah. you know, year or two years against really high-level guys to where he was out at Fargo and he kind of blew through that bracket. But I think that plays a, a huge part into it. Are, are you facing yeah. top-level guys on a regular basis? So I, I think he is, he's a wild card dark horse who he gets a couple competitions in him and he gets, he gets rolling. Um, yeah. I was really glad to see when he wrestled Henderson that, that like he didn't have, he didn't seem to have any like real serious gas tank issues. That was like the big concern everybody was bringing up was that like, okay, he's going to run out of steam in the second period. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Henderson maybe was in a little bit better shape, but it wasn't like Etchemendia was, was dying. I mean, he was still coming at the end. Uh, but I, I think, I think that people did expect, I mean, it's, it was unrealistic, the expectations people put on him, but people, I think expected him to, you know, they wanted to see him sky Evan Henderson and, and, you know, get a four pointer and, and we would have another immediate Olympic team contender. And, and that's, that's unrealistic. But, um, I think if he, if he has an undefeated weekend here, people are going to art, you know, start that talk right back up. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're going to learn a lot. Yeah. But Mitch back McKee, to, back to 65. Wild card. Oh, go ahead, John. Um, no, I was going to say the wild cards at 65 are kind of like pick your, pick your guy because these guys haven't, haven't wrestled each other. Like I put together that list yeah. of, you know, in the last three years, all the times people have wrestled each other. And I think there's five matches that are the crossovers between the field here. So you just kind of haven't seen these guys hit. So that's, um, that's kind of fun, you know, where you're like, okay, well, what's going to happen when Brayton Lee wrestles Alec Pantaleo in freestyle? You don't really, you don't really know. So I think that's kind of the, the intrigue when it comes to 65 for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 74. I, I kind of already talked about this with, with the, the mercenaries, but I think, I think Wick is a big, he's a big wild card here. He's a guy who could, he, he could knock off a few people that are, that are, you know, in ahead of him right now in terms of recent results. And it wouldn't surprise me all that much. Yeah, I'm not that excited about Evan because I've seen him wrestle almost all of these guys. Um, I, I guess the one that I would be 
Um, curious to see how he does is Carson Karchla because, you know, there was all this hype around him. He had the not-so-great senior nationals in December of last year. Uh, I, I don't believe we've seen him since then. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if he's going to fulfill some of those expectations or, you know, if he's just maybe not quite ready. And again, listen, if he loses to like uh, a Wick and a Massa and, and Gant, it's like not like you're terrible, right? It's just you're young. You're just not quite ready yet. And who knows? Maybe you'll be in a year or two. Yeah. Has he, has he wrestled much internationally, John, that you know of? I don't think so. I don't have, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything for him. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. On the senior level. Mm -mm. Yeah. I was curious if he had, I, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's obviously, you know, kind of trained in a, in a Russian system and, um, I can't wait. I, I agree. I can't wait to see where he is. I, I feel like he's, he is a year, a year away, a year or two away, but man, if he's, if he's further along than that, that's going to be, that's gonna be really cool. Um, all right. 86 kilos. Anybody, uh, anybody jump off the page as a wild card for you? Not really. We've kind of seen all these guys against each other. There's not really anyone I'm like, ooh, I'm, you know, no, I like say Karshla and Echemendia, they're younger. We're not quite sure how they're going to do. There's not really anyone on this list that we haven't seen against other high level competition. So, uh, and really that, that for me, that could go for the next two weight classes. Uh, I don't feel like there's anyone like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd, I, I, I'd oh, say one thing. John, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Nick Renan, right? To where he's, you know, he made some noise two years ago by making Final X, um, but then he's kind of been wrestling up um, and didn't have the greatest results at 97, but now he's back down at 86. So you kind of wonder, okay, you know, who who is he? And and what's he what's he going to do um, if he can replicate what he did in, in 18? He could be a... A wild card, right? I mean, the, yeah, the disparity between his best his best day and his worst day is like greater than anybody's. Um, he can, and another thing too is like he can go, you know, he can go big move. So it, you know that that could that could be a factor. Uh, man, what if all of a sudden he just is like back to being <laughs> as good as he was? That'd be that would be crazy. That'd be so crazy. Um, I, I I don't know. I I am curious. Like Drew Foster just kind of keeps making like little improvements and and. Uh, so I, I wonder, I mean, we're going to see him against Sammy Brooks right away. And he's, he's scored a bunch of points on Brooks. I think he was up like eight to the last time they wrestled mm -hmm. and then ended up losing 19 to 11. But, uh, <laughs> if, you know, if Foster's making, making more improvements, that'd be, that'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, 97. I, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with you guys. I don't know that, uh, that there's a big, big wild card well, here. So you see them all against each other. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then at heavyweight, I mean, for me, it's it's Mason Paris, right? Is he gonna can Mason he... Paris? That's it. What if he? What if he beats both these guys? He could do it. What if he beats all of them? What if he beats all? Of them? I mean, even like you know, obviously we, you know, I I think it's established that Gwiz and Stevenson are number one too. But like Bradley's had very very long term success. I mean, he's been good for a really long time. So like that would be a huge win for Mason Paris. Um, so there's, there's other big wins he can get also. Yeah. They have three guys that, I mean, they have, they have such a good heavyweight room that you kind of wonder like, you know, who they're going to use. And I mean, talking to Bormet, this is not a huge surprise, but you know, I asked him like who, who 
of, the, of these three guys, like who gets the better of each other in the room. And he's like, well, the three guys would probably tell you something different, but it's, it's Mason. Like it's, it's Mason Paris. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So, um, yeah, he's, man, I, I can't, yeah, you're right. He, yeah, you're right. I mean, even a win over, I don't, I don't know that he's seen Desi. Um, Jordan Wood was, was closer, kind of became a closer match than I, than I thought it would. Uh, but yeah, he could, you're right, he could get a bunch of big wins here. Okay. Man, this weekend's going to be awesome. Um, guys, do you, do you guys have a favorite, uh, dual meet memory from, uh, from your, either from a, a dual meet that you watched or dual meet you wrestled in? Um, hmm. Favorite dual meet ever. Oh, I would, you know, I would say the, the one that's really memorable. It was my first, and I, we've talked about this on FRL before. It was my first one, and I did not win, but I was I, my very first match of my college career. I I was the first bout of the duel against Oklahoma State. Um, I had that match against Chris Pendleton where I got up big and I blew it. Um, and so it was funny that, the, you know, Chris Pendleton, which is my ultimate rival, is the very first match of my college career. I mean, I, I started off my college career at z- zero and one. Um, in the first, and the first match of the duel and a packed crowd. And, uh, but we ended up beating Oklahoma state and that was the first time Missouri had ever beaten Oklahoma state in, I don't know, 80 years or whatever it was at that point, 75 years of wrestling. Um, and so that kind of, you know, put Missouri on the map a little bit. And obviously we've continued to build since then. Um, so that, that was, that was a great duel for me, uh, that I can think of. And obviously we had a few really good ones my senior year when we got, we got up to number one ranked in the country. Um, you know, we beat, we killed Oklahoma state that year in the national duel semis. I pinned max pinned Josh Wagner pinned. Uh, I think we beat him like 27 to nine or something. That was a really good. One. And then obviously we came up, came up a little bit short and we lost in the finals, um, to Minnesota. I think we lost 20 to 17 or 20 to 18, something to that effect. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of good ones. Man, national duels was fun. You got, what was that the best, the fi- that finals performance? What, where, how'd you guys finish the other years you were in college? national duels that was definitely that was definitely the highest uh oh no i lied we took second uh we took second my freshman year also we lost to oklahoma state in the finals uh i wrestled like crap that was that was the worst i ever lost to penalty i think i lost i lost seven to three and i didn't get any takedowns or i i didn't really do anything good uh in that match that was my worst match ever against him so we took second my freshman year. we took second my senior year um we we never they did win it what they won it in 2000 13 or 15 which year did they win they beat Oklahoma, they beat Iowa in the finals yeah 15 I think in in Carver right in Carver yeah Man, that was, I can't remember which year it was but that was that was crazy that was Flapgate right Waters and Gilman Flapgate yes 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 <laughs> yes uh-huh yeah oh, so wild. um those are some really good ones but yeah, this it should be fun I love the fact that you guys are showing it um one after the other you get to watch every match if, if you if you choose to do so um i like the way the bracket is set up with the pools and then you know it makes sense after the pool so uh, i'm excited for this weekend a lot tons of good matches uh i'll be probably be able to watch a lot of them so it should be fun yeah i think that's going to be great that was that was the one kind of downside to national duels um we like when it was in the uni dome we our our college team i was mm-hmm. in a little naia we would be over in the corner and then you're kind of like watching your match but you're also trying to watch what's going on in the d1 mat and it's like so much action it's kind of hard to follow along so i agree it's going to be really cool one match at a time and and um i think we'll i think we'll see the story of the tournament unfold in a way that that wrestling fans haven't seen in a while so that'll be cool john do you have any uh memorable dual meet memories 
Uh, well, nothing that really compares to Ben, but I think, uh, you know, <laughs> dual meets are awesome. So I'm, I'm from Michigan. Um, team state is really big in, in Michigan. And so my freshman year of high school, uh, our team made the, the team state. So quarterfinals and the draw and weight had me as the, the last match. Yeah, and nice. so we were up by, we were up by one going into my match or no, I was the second to last match. So we were up by one going into my match and I pinned to uh to seal the oh, to seal the, the duel the and it's the first time yeah first time our team was in the the state semis and all that and then we lost so um but no that was awesome as a as a freshman right as a young young freshman with with all the seniors on the team that was uh i was the hero so yeah didn't wrestle chris pendleton but that was cool <laughs> my 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 favorite dual meet memory is not is not even close to either of those but we used to my team was not good um and and we used to in our state qualifying group there was this prison school and so we would like <laughs> we would duel this prison school and i remember my uh my sophomore year my brother was wrestling 125 and i was wrestling 130 and and we we were the last two matches of the duel and like this prison school was not good but they were kind of intimidating there would be like these kids like these kids would have like homemade tattoos that you could tell they had like carved into themselves like the night before and whatever it was like it was wild to go through you go through this like you know you go through the into this sealed room they would take they would take all the pins out of your letter jacket because you're they're worried about the prison school kids finding these weapons and stuff and so it, it was a little bit of a weird intimidating like atmosphere to compete but uh our team wrestled terrible. And so going into the last two matches, <laughs> we were down by we were down by ten points going into the last two matches. And so my brother and I needed a, a pin and a and a, a fall or two pins or a pin and a tech or two pins to, to win. And and my brother got a pin and then I got a tech and we ended up beating the prison school. And uh, so, you know, that was, <laughs> that was a memorable one. It was cool to do it back to back with my brother. Classic. And uh, yeah, it was so weird. That pri- I remember too the prison school their coach was like he was really trying to like give these guys like a, a, a place that they could be proud to wrestle in and whatever and so he had he had them design like a paper banner they were going to run through and he wanted to like tape it up to the locker room door but they wouldn't give him like the right kind of tape because it was like the kids could use the duct tape for a, a i don't know something and so he's trying he's That's got these funny. kids trying to scotch tape this poster over the locker room door that they're going to run through but keeps like falling down and Anyway, it was wild. It was a wild place. But, uh, you know, we beat the prison school, so it was great. Nice. So you guys have any other thoughts about the RTC Cup? Anything else that we haven't covered? I feel like we've dug into it in great depth this week. Absolutely. We crushed it every day. So, uh, no, I'm excited to see it happen tomorrow night. What time are we starting? 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock? All right, so the schedule um, starts at 2 o'clock Eastern time on day one. Oh, shoot, early. Okay, that's perfect. Yep. I got my and, afternoon free, so I'll be watching. Yeah, and then on the hours is when each of those six duels is going to start. So uh, nice. two, three, four, then there's a little bit of a break. Um, there's there's a duel then at six, seven, and eight. Those times are all Eastern. So, man, all afternoon, all evening, just lock in on some great wrestling. So I'm, I'm super excited. Cool. All right, nice. well, I think Sweet. I think that's going to do it. We got a short show today. Um, Tyler, go ahead and play that music. Yeah. And I hear it. Man. RTC Cup is coming. I can't wait. Thanks to Ben Askren and John Kozak for being on as everybody else is traveling. And tune in tomorrow, RTC Cup. See you then.
Yeah, thanks.